will meet with a bunch of sinners like us, aren't you? What a blessing that is. Turn with me in your Bible to Judges chapter number 6 this morning, or Joshua chapter number 6 this morning, excuse me, Joshua chapter number 6. Thank you so much for being here today. It's always good to be in God's house. It's good to see our guests with us today. We pray that you'll get a blessing by being here, and I just pray that when we leave this place, we might be able to say that I was in the presence of the Lord and I'm different because I was in the presence of the Lord. And I pray that from God's Word tonight, that this morning, you might experience and get something that might make a difference in your life. Joshua chapter number 6, I believe, tells one of the greatest stories that's in the Bible. I love to hear sermons preached from this passage. I love to read stories and articles about the text in Joshua chapter number 6. I recently listened to a sermon that a man preached from Joshua chapter number 6, and it just really blessed my heart, and God used the preacher that was preaching that time to speak to my heart through that message. And I want to share that with you this morning that God spoke with me. I I remember when I was just starting out preaching, there was an older preacher who I guess got tired of listening to me preach my sermons. He began to hand me his outlines when he got done uh, with his. And he said, here, you can use these and maybe there'll be a blessing to you. And I said, well, I I can't preach these, I can't do this. And he asked why, and I said, well, number one, I'd feel bad if I just preached your sermons. And I said, number two, uh, I'd hate to butcher a good sermon. And he said, well, son, he said, I'm just giving you the milk and you got to churn it and make butter out of it. And uh, and so this morning, if this message is bad, we're going to blame spoiled milk, all right? And if it's good, we're going to credit the churning process, all right? But I just want to share a thought with you this morning that I pray might be a blessing to you. Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1. The Bible reads, Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And you shall come past the city, all you men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shall thou do six days. And seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall come past the city seven times, and the priests shall blow with the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. And Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said unto them, Take up the ark of the covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said unto the people, Pass on and come past the city, and let him that is armed pass on before the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass when Joshua had spoken unto the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns passed on before the Lord and blew with the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. And the armed men went before the priests that blew with the trumpets, and the re-reward of the, the more armed men came after the ark the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. And so the ark of the Lord compassed the city, going about it once, and they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord, and seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the re-reward came after the ark of the Lord, and the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So did they six days. And it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day, 
and they compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times, and it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourself from the accursed thing, lest you make yourself accursed when you take the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so the people shouted when the priest blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. You know, if you're familiar with the history of Israel, they spent over 400 years in Egypt in slavery and in bondage, and God brought them out of Egypt. And if you're familiar, God brought them up to Kadesh Barnea, and God said, send the spies over into the promised land to see and to view out the land. And so Joshua and Caleb and ten other men under the direction of Moses went into the promised land to view it. And if you remember, they went in and they said, the land is good, but we're not able to take that land. And so because of their unbelief, God calls them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And they wander out here for 40 years and eventually all of that generation dies and then Moses dies and now the nation of Israel is under the leadership of Joshua and they finally cross over the Jordan River. They finally cross over and right after they cross over the Jordan River, there is the city of Jericho. There is a city that must be conquered. And let me just say this morning that the Christian life is not only a race, but it is a fight. It is not only something that we are running, but it is something that we are fighting. And there are many wars and there are many battles and there are many struggles that must be fought and conquered. And God said, listen, you are going to conquer the city of Jericho. I want you to go in and I want you to do that. And so here they are. We know the story. They walk around the city all of these times and God brings it down. God brings the walls down. These, the city though, if you ever study about it, it was a very impressive city. The size of these walls. I mean, the thickness of them and the height of them. I mean, you're talking six feet wide and 20 feet tall. You're talking walls that were massive, that surrounded the whole city. And they, they, the, the people of Israel were told, listen, you're going to walk around it. And the walls are just going to fall down. This was the city that if they were ever going to possess all of the promised land, then they must first possess Jericho. But the walls stood in their way. But aren't you glad that we serve a God that is able to take down any of the walls that might be in the way? I read Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 1. And there is a word that sticks out to me. Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. And notice this, none went out and none came in. That word is an absolute. It doesn't mean that only a few were allowed in and only a few were allowed out. But the Bible says there were absolutely nobody that could go into this city and there was absolutely nobody that could leave this city. But can I say, when God got ready to go into that city, it didn't matter how big the walls were because God was bigger. And it didn't matter how strong the army was because God was stronger. And it didn't matter how great the city was because God was greater. And when God got ready for the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down, 
there was absolutely no problem in God making the walls fall down. And may I say to you this morning, if there's a Jericho in your life and you say, Preacher, I don't know how I'll ever get the victory. Know this, there's not a war too great that God can't win. There's not a battle that's too strong that God can't win. And when God gets ready to take you into that land of victory and give you that Jericho, just know there will be nothing that this world could ever come up with that will keep God out of that city. When God got ready to go into Jericho, God didn't struggle at all. God gave to them the victory. And I want you to know this morning, there might be times in your life where you wonder, I don't know how God's going to make a way. Let me say to you this morning, God's never struggled making a way. God's always made a way. God's made a way through the wilderness. God's made a way through the sea. God's made a way across the Jordan River. God made a way when there was no food. God made a way when the rain was going to come down. He made a way through the den of lions and the fiery furnace. And we could go on and on. And God's always been faithful to make a way for His people. But let me say to you this morning, while God has always been faithful to make a way, God is not always quick to make a way. God can do it. But it doesn't always mean He's going to do it on your time. And I'm interested this morning in this phrase found in Joshua chapter number 6, in verse number 3. Ye shall come past the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city. You read at the end of verse number 5 and the end of verse number 20 this phrase, that they went straight before Him. You know what happened when God got ready to give the Israelites the city of Jericho? They went from exactly where they were at straight into the city. They walked from one place with a straight course into the city and they took the city. But before they ever got to the time where they could go from a straight course from here to Jericho, God said, I want you to walk in circles around the city. And I want you to walk in circles. Can you imagine they're sitting there, they're ready to possess the city. They're ready to take the city. They're ready for victory. And God said, whoa, it's not time to possess the city. It's time to compass the city. It's not time to go straight in. It's time to circle around. And for seven days, the people of Israel had to walk in a circle and walk in a circle and walk in a circle. And right there in the middle of the circle that they were walking in was the very answer to the prayer that they had been praying for so long. But God said, before you get the city, you got to finish the circle. And I wonder this morning, how many times has it ever felt in your life and in my life where God just had us walking in circles? It felt like we we're accomplishing nothing at whatsoever. Somebody asked me one time if I exercise. I said, no. They said, you want a treadmill? And I, I said, no, I'm not interested in a treadmill. You don't get anywhere when you go on a treadmill. And they said, well, why don't you walk outside? And I thought, well, I have a vehicle. You know, I don't have to do that either. But I think about walking and running and, and being on a treadmill. And, and the reason I don't want to do that is you get nowhere when you do that, right? It, you run and it gets abs You make no progress. You, you've made no movement. Have you ever felt like in your life before that God was just saying, walk another circle and walk another circle and walk another circle? And the whole time you were saying, but God, the answer's right there. The victory's right there. What I want is right there. And God's saying, walk another circle. Walk another circle. you got to do that over and over again. And we wonder, God, why? Why are you making me walk in circles around the answer? Why are you making me walk in circles around the city? I mean, we want it fixed right now. We want the healing right now. We want the answer right now. We want the solution right now. We want the church to be built right now. And God's saying, walk a circle. Make another lap. And we're saying, oh, but God, we're praying. And we're asking and we're begging and we're doing all of these things. And it might seem silly and it might seem like a waste of time, but let me remind you this morning, 
that God has never made you walk in circles without a reason behind it. God has never led you in circles around the very answer that you have been praying for without a reason. God has never led you in circles without giving you that healing right then without a reason. But God's done it for a purpose. There's something greater behind all of it. You say, well, I don't understand the strategy of God. I want you to understand this morning that God was not having the children of Israel walk around Jericho because He was trying to conquer Jericho. Jericho was easy. You know what God could have done? God could have just said, walls fall down and the walls would have fallen down and He could have killed everybody in Jericho. It was not the amount of steps around Jericho that made the foundation of the wall weaker. It was only God that destroyed the wall. You say, well, why did He do that? God wasn't trying to conquer Jericho. God was trying to conquer Israel. And sometimes what God has to do to conquer us is to get us to walk in circles sometimes. Because there are some lessons that you and I will only learn when we walk in circles and not when we go straight in. It'd be great. would be great if we said, Dear Lord, I'm in need of this. And God said, Straight before you, right into it. And you said, Lord, I need this. I want this person to be healed. And God said, Straight into it. And you walk straight into it without any problem. But I think most of us would agree in our life, we have spent a lot more time walking in circles than we ever have going straight into Jericho. And we've made a lot of rounds that we did not understand what the purpose of that for. We saw the city. We saw the answer. We knew the solution. And we almost wondered, God, why are you doing this? I want you to know there were some lessons that that the children of Israel could learn only as they could pass the city. And they wouldn't have learned if they possessed the city right away. You see, the first lesson that they learned was the lesson of sight. If you remember the story when they first went in, the spies went in 40 years ago. You remember what they did? They brought, the, the, they brought some of the fruit back and they brought back and they said, listen, the land is good. But why didn't they go in? Because they saw the giants, right? Because we saw those giants and how big they are and they made this statement, we're grasshoppers in their sight. Well, we see we're we're looking at what how they see it, and they see us as small, and they see us as they're bigger, and they're going to win, and we're going to lose. And God said, "Here's what I want you to do this time. I want you to walk around the city." And I wonder how many of them walked around the city and said, "Man, that's a big wall." They started counting the bricks, and they started calculating the amount of time that it would take to do that. And some of those with engineer minds would wonder how many people that it took to do this, and you would figure out the pattern, and you would do all of that, and. The rest of us would notice the birds on the wall and you were making all of these other observations and that's what some people would do. But you would walk around this city and you would think, man, this wall is huge and there's no way that we'll ever conquer this. You might even think that it was discouraging in some way. But I want you to look in verse number 2 of that of your Bible. You know what the very first word that God said to Joshua? He said, see. I want, you, I want you to see, before you ever start walking around these circles, I want you to see that I have given you the land. That, that I will give you this land and that you will possess this land. Here's what God wanted the children of Israel to do. He wanted them to quit looking at everything through the eyes of flesh and to start looking at things through the eyes of faith. To quit looking at how big the walls are and quit looking at how great the enemy is and quit looking at how small you are and see it from my perspective that I've already given you the land, that I'm going to give you the victory. Quit looking through eyes of flesh and begin to look at things through the eyes of faith. And I wonder if God took us straight into the city every time, would we ever learn to see the victory before the victory happened? We would never learn to appreciate the victory before it ever was accomplished. Here's what He wanted the children of Israel to do. He did not want them to see those walls as walls that kept them out, but He wanted them to see them 
as walls that were coming down one day. And many of us look at all of our obstacles and all of our challenges as things that are hindering us. And God said, I want you to see it as a victory and as an opportunity for me to show up. See it this way. You see, when you look at our country today through the eyes of flesh, it may seem hopeless, but when you look at it through the eyes of faith, I believe that God can still do something in this great country. And I'm glad for the freedom that we have. And I'm thankful for what men and women have given their life to give to us today so that we might have and you may say, but preacher, we're losing that. Through the eyes of flesh, it might be gone. But through the eyes of faith, God's still on the throne. And God can still do something. And He wants His children to see them not as walls that are keeping you out, but walls that are coming down one day. Look through the eyes of faith and not through the eyes of flesh. You say, but preacher, all I see is sickness. Well, look through the eyes of faith and see the healing that God can give. You say, all I see is brokenheartedness. Well, look through the eyes of faith and see God putting the pieces back together. All I see is children that are walking away from God in a generation that will never serve God. Well, look through the eyes of faith and see God bring a revival. Listen, you can be doom and gloom and negative Nelly all that you want, but God's still on the throne this morning. And God's people need to quit looking through the eyes of flesh and writing it off and saying it's all over with and look through the eyes of faith and say if God did it then, then God can do it now. If God was able then, then He's still able today. And if God's people are ever going to see the walls come down, we've got to see it before it happens. We've got to be able to look ahead and say, you know what? There may be great walls, and there may be great obstacles, and there may be great barriers and all of these things, but I serve a God that can bring that victory. I serve. A, I know it can happen. I believe it can happen. Listen, I, I know we live in a a world, maybe it's different than the world you grew up in, but it's still God's still on the throne. And we ought to look at it today and say, you know what? It may be bad, and it may be going the wrong direction, but any time there is an obstacle, there is a great opportunity for God to show His power. And that's what the eyes of faith see in that moment. You see, when you learn this lesson of sight, that sometimes you'll only learn walking around circles and you won't learn going straight in, here's what you get: you learn how to do. You learned how to live victorious before the victory ever comes. There are a lot of Christians today that are moping around in life and they're sulking in their circumstances and they're pouting about everything that is going on. And if that, that offends you, well, remember where I got this message. I'll tell you the guy's name that I listened to and you take it up with him. But if that, if that offends you, listen, maybe that's you this morning. Then Maybe you're the one that is moping. Maybe you're the one that is pouting. Maybe you're the one that is sulking because of how bad the world is Today, can I say this morning, you're not going to do any good living a defeated life when you serve a God that can bring great victory. You say, well, preacher, I'll get excited when God brings the victory. Well, God might never bring the victory until His people see that God can bring the victory. And God might never tear the walls down until His people see that God has given us the land. But if we're going to live blinded to the power of God until He displays it, then we might never see it in our life. He's teaching us the lesson of sight to see what I can do before I ever do it. To trust that I can do it before I ever do it. And when we learn this lesson of sight, well then... We can live victorious even when it looks like we're defeated. You want to know what's a good witness in this world? Is when people look around and see Christians that ought to be defeated, but they're living with victory in their life. They're living knowing that, hey, it's not over yet. It's not done yet. You see, through the eyes of flesh, we look like we're going to lose the battle, but through the eyes of faith, we know that we're on the winning side and God's going to take care of all of it and it changes 
everything. He taught them the lesson of sight when they walked in these circles, but He also taught them the lesson of strength. You know what we tend to depend on? We depend on our own strength a lot of times. We, we, we know that we're strong enough. We, we, we think that we're capable to do these things. And I think about the children of Israel. They had an army. Listen, they had a record. They could look back and say, we defeated this group and this group and all of these others. And we're going to go in and conquer Jericho. But I want you to notice the instructions of God. You know what God emphasized on? God said, I want you to get seven priests. I want you to get seven trumpets. And I want you to carry the ark of the Lord. You know what Joshua emphasized on? He said, all right, you armed men, you all get before them and you get behind them. God said, I want you to get those priests and I want you to get the Ark of the Covenant and I want you to walk around that city. You know what God wanted those people to realize? That it wasn't the armed men that were going to tear down the wall. All right, It wasn't their power. It wasn't their presence. It wasn't their size. You know what was right in the center of everything that they were doing that day when they were walking in circles? It was the very present, the manifest presence and power of God as the Ark of the Covenant was there. And God wanted them to realize that your greatest strength is not when you have the army all around you, but it's when you've got the presence of God right in the center of all that you're doing. Listen, you can load yourself up with pistols and everything else all day that you want, but I'm telling you, you'll never be as strong as you are when the God is right in the center of all that you are doing. When He is in the center of your life, you could have the army in front and the army in the back. Hey, you could have put them on the sides if you wanted to, but it was the power of God that brought that victory and not the power of man. It wasn't the strength of man. It was the strength of God. And when they walked in those circles, can you imagine that Ark of the Covenant? You know where that Ark of the Covenant resided most of the time? In that closet room, right? That holy of holies. You know how many people saw the Ark of the Covenant every day? Nobody saw it every day. One time a year they'd go in there. You know what they got to do for seven days? Those people of Israel got to see that manifest presence of God. For seven days they walked in circles. You know what? They wouldn't have got to see that long. They wouldn't have got to see it if they would have walked straight in. Maybe God's walking you in circles today because He wants you to realize that when He's in the center of your life that you are at the greatest place that you could ever be even if you're compassing the city and not possessing the city. When God's in the center of your life, you're in the best place that you can be. They got to see God more then than they did once they put that Ark of the Covenant in the room. Maybe God's walking you in circles because He wants you to experience God like you can't experience when you possess the city right away. You say, oh, but God, I want the answer right now. But if you got the answer right now, how much would you depend on God? If you got the answer right now, how much would you lean on God? If God gave you the victory right now, how much would you grow in your faith? You probably wouldn't, but God said, I want you to walk in circles around this city for seven days, 13 laps they would make around this city. And every single lap, the Ark of the Covenant was right smack dab in the middle of what they were doing. God was teaching them the lesson of strength. You know where your strength comes from? It's not from your personality and it's not from your muscles and it's not from your money and it's not from your friends and it's not from your position. It comes from God being in your life right in the center. And that's when we're strong. You say, I want a strong family. Well, put God in the center of it. You say, I want a strong marriage. Well, put God right in the middle of it. I want a strong church. Well, let God get right in the middle of it. And if we ever want a strong country, then what we need is for God to be right in the middle of all that we're doing. God's teaching us, if you want strength, then you got to get me where I belong. I believe that sometimes God takes us in circles because we have forgotten where our strength comes from. And He's just simply reminding us that we need Him in the center of our life. You know the third lesson that He taught them 
as they were leading them, as he was leading them in circles, is he taught them, and you're going to really like this lesson. It, it's going to fit most of you. It was the lesson of silence. You know what he told them? It's very interesting when he tells them to go. He said, I don't want you to make any noise. I, want you to, I don't want you to say anything. I don't want you to make any noises. You're going to blow those trumpets one time. But it even says that no word shall proceed out of your mouth. I wonder, when I think about this seven days, they'd get up early in the morning, they'd make a lap around the city, they'd go back and they'd lodge. The Bible says no word proceed out of your mouth. Can you imagine telling a group of people that large to be quiet? A group of people that don't say anything, all right? You, you be quiet when you're doing this. I wonder how much closer they were to God after that. You know, I, I look around in our world today, in my life today, and excuse me, I know that yours is the same. There's so much noise everywhere, isn't there? So much noise everywhere. that oftentimes it seems like we don't have any energy, we don't have any time, we don't have anything left to hear from God. We hear from everybody else. We talk all the time. We talk and we talk and we talk and we got ideas and we got suggestions and we all do this and we all do that and everybody else all do this and everybody's telling us what we ought to do. And sometimes I think that God leads us in circles for this reason, so that we'll learn to be quiet and just listen to God. I'm bad sometimes. I wake up in the morning real early, about 10 o'clock in the morning. And uh, just kidding. I, I like to wake up real early and get started and go. And real bad, when I wake up, I want to leave. And not because I'm mad at my family. I just don't like to sit at the house. And I want to leave. And a lot of times we'll get started and we'll get things going and do about whatever it is. And, and I say this is shame, but you know who oftentimes get neglected? God gets neglected. And it wasn't long ago. I had, a, I had things I wanted to get done. I had a lot of stuff I felt like I needed to get done. And I woke up and I, I rushed out of the night before. I had everything loaded. I had everything taken care of. And I remember getting up that day and going. And when I got to where I was going, my lawnmower wouldn't crank. It wouldn't crank. And I worked on it and I messed with it and I messed with it. And I, and I finally just sat there. And Melody's laughing because she said that happens all the time. But I, I finally sat there and I thought, you know what, I... I did everything that I could to get everything done as quick as I could. And you know what God has done here? God has just simply allowed me to get nothing done at this moment. And I finally just sat there and I prayed and I said, God, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I had all of these things to get done and you were the easiest one to knock off of my list. And I'm sorry about that. And I prayed and, and I spent time with God and I, I would like to tell you that I got on the lawnmower and it cranked and everything went, but it didn't. But here's what did happen. My entire day changed that day. Because God finally, God reminded me in that moment, listen, you can get in a hurry all day long but you're going to miss out on the most important thing. And sometimes in my life anyways, what God has had to do is He had to make me walk in circles over and over and over again until I finally learned to be quiet and listen to God. Until I finally learned to take time and say, you know what, I need time of silence. I don't need the radio blaring and I don't need the TV going and I don't need the phone in front of me and I don't need to be checking this off the list. Sometimes I just need to sit and I need to listen to God and I need to have quiet time with God. Because if I never have that time with God, then I'll never be who God wants me to be. And oftentimes it's unfortunate, but God makes us walk in circles to get us there. But you know one reason we don't like silence? We're afraid of what we're going to hear sometimes. I think oftentimes we don't want to give God any silence because we're afraid God's going to tell us something that we don't necessarily want. God's going to convict us. God's going to lead us. God's going to show us something. And we're comfortable where we're at, so we just say busy, 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 busy. But you know what? You can be busy from 6 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock in the evening and be very unproductive all the time. You see, we make busyness almost as this badge of honor sometimes. And I'm so busy and look at all that I do. But I would ask you this morning, when was the last time that you just sat and you said with Samuel, Lord, speak for thy servant heareth. Nothing else matters, Lord, you speak. 
You could spend a day and people could look and say, wow, that person's not even doing anything today. And you could just be in your quiet time with the Lord. And I want you to know you're going to get more done that day than you'll ever get the rest of the days. And sometimes God says, I'm going to get you to walk around. I'm going to get you to compass the city before you ever get to possess the city because I want you to learn the lesson of silence. But you know another lesson that they had to learn? And As they go, they made these 13 laps. They learned the lesson of the importance, anyways, of just taking the next step. You know, we love extraordinary events, don't we? We love when really big things happen in life. I mean, like the walls of Jericho falling down. That was an awesome story. It's a great event. It's a wonderful thing that took place. And it happened at the completion of the 13th lap. But you know what that means? That means there were 12 laps where absolutely nothing happened. Where they walked around the city and they went back to camp. They got up the next day and they walked around the city and they went back to camp. And not, there was no victory. There were no walls down. There were no, there were no conquering the city. There was nothing worth posting about. I mean, it was just an ordinary day. But on that 13th day, when they made that lap, all those walls came down and great victory was experienced by everybody in that moment. But know this, that it took a lot of ordinary days to ever get to the extraordinary event. And everybody today is so focused on the extraordinary event, and there are many people today that become very discouraged when they realize this, that life, ministry, church, it's not full of extraordinary days. You see, we look on Facebook and we look on TV and we, we see the glamour shots of people and we think, man, their life is so exciting. Look at all, I, I, would, I would encourage you to look at every, everybody's everyday life, not just a few things, and you'll, you'll learn that life is really not as exciting as people make it out to be. Okay, what you see. You say they're always doing extraordinary things. You know, I, I think about the extraordinary days in my life. I got married. I have children. I surrendered to preach. I got saved and come to this church. I mean, there are things, but you know, there are way more un or just regular ordinary days in my life than there are extraordinary days in my life. I have preached way more times where nobody got saved than I have preached where a lot of people got saved. I have preached a lot more services where nobody moved than I have preached where a lot of people moved. And you say, well, man, I want those services where, where they come by the thousands and they get saved. Hey, that'd be awesome, but it's just not every day. There are the extraordinary events, but there are also the ordinary days. And here's what we have to learn to do. We have to learn to take the next step even when there's nothing exciting that's going to happen on the next step. You say, I'm going to get in on it. I'm going to get on in on it when it gets exciting. Well, it might not get exciting until you get in on it, all right? You, you might not see the walls fall down until you walk 13 circles around the city, but it'll be worth it all when you see that take place. But we learn the importance of simply taking the next step in this life. Somebody shared this on Facebook the other day. I found it to be interesting. They said that they found the journal of Christopher Columbus. And one of the most consistent logs that he logged every day was these three words. We sailed on. We sailed on. Over and over. There were way more days where there were no discoveries than there were days where there were discoveries. But you know who remembers all of that? Nobody remembers the ordinary days. They remember the, the extraordinary days. And that's who we remember people. But know this. People are not made by the extraordinary days. They are made on the ordinary days because they simply sailed on. And they took another step. And they said, I don't know if it's going to be exciting. I don't know if the victory is going to come. I don't know if it's going to work out. I don't know if there will be a great harvest. But I know this. I'll sail on and take the next step. I'll make the next lap. I'll walk another circle because I know that one day God's going to bring the victory. It may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow, and it may not come in my lifetime. I want you to know this this morning, I don't say this crude or disrespectfully, 
But the victory for this church may not come in your lifetime, but you ought to take the next step anyways because we need to make another circle so we can get to that day where God brings the wall down. It may not come while I'm here, but I ought to take the next step so that it can come one day. It may not happen in your family while you're alive, but it might happen one day. Take the next step and learn to follow God. You say, boy, the most important step was the last one that they took when the walls fell down. I want you to know that wasn't the most important step. The most important step that you and I will ever take is simply the next step in our walk with Jesus Christ. Because if we don't take it, then we'll never get to that other one. We'll never get to that 13th lap when the, falls, when the walls finally come down. We must learn in our life, and sometimes it's what God teaches us in walking in circles, that we just take the next step and God takes care of the rest. You know, they didn't know exactly when those walls were going to fall down. They didn't know how God was going to do it. They knew this, God's going to do it. And we better just keep walking until God does it. I would encourage you this morning, just keep walking until God does that. Here's the last lesson. And it was the lesson of the shout, finally. It says there at the end in verse number 20, where we read a minute ago, the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. And the wall fell down so that the people went up into the city. Every man noticed straight before him and they took that city 13 laps, 13 laps, and they finally got to go straight into the city. And they learned this wonderful lesson of shouting. Boy, 13 laps that they've made. Seven days they've walked around it. You know what, finally, after walking all them circles, what they finally got to experience? They finally got to experience victory. And I want you to know that there's coming a day where you're going to get to shout, all right? Right, right now you're walking in circles and you wonder, is it ever going to work out? Is it ever going to work out? I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm praying. Know this, the circles ended in victory. And they shouted because of that. And there's going to come a day in your life where the circles that you feel like you're walking all of the time, you're going to look back and say, God brought me through that. And God took me straight into the city. I had to walk a little while and you never thought it would work out. You never thought that family would work out. You never thought church would work out. You never thought you'd get healed. You never thought you'd get over the heartbreak. Whatever it is. And now you look back and you say, God brought me through that. I never thought I'd get off the course of circles, but here I am in victory. I learned the lesson of shout that one day God's going to give the victory. It might not be today, but friend, know this, God's going to bring you through it. God's going to tear the walls down one day. God's going to knock them down one day. God's going to give you Jericho one day and you'll learn the lesson of the shout that God always gets the victory. That God always takes care of His people. You say, well, preacher, what about, what if I don't get healed? You know? What if my love, what, what if it doesn't work out that way? I want you to know the whole circle of life one day is going to end with a great shout. And there's going to be a great trumpet. It's not going to be with ram's horns by the seven priests that are walking in front of the ark of God, but it's going to be by Christ Himself, by the throne of God when He shouts and the trump of God goes off. And all of these circles that we've ever walked in, they will be completed that day. And Jesus Christ, the Savior of the universe, will simply rise up off of the throne that He's sitting on and He'll step into the clouds and in that moment, just like that, the dead in Christ will rise up and all of those loved ones that we have laid to rest, that we have cried over and sorrowed over, their bodies will be glorified in just a moment and that shout will go off. And all of us that remain here, I believe, will shout and we'll be changed and we'll take our heavenly flight into glory and we'll be with the Lord forever. You say, preacher, I'm tired of walking in circles. I want you to know one day there's going to come a great shout. 
And the circles are all going to be over with. I saw something the other day. He said, I don't have any problems in this life that the rapture won't take care of. I'm glad that all the problems we got in this world, you could pile them up today. And when the rapture takes place, they're all going to be solved and we're not going to worry about them anymore. Just walk the circle. Take another lap. Take another step. Do what you got to do. Listen, don't give up because God is going to get you through. You got to see though. Listen, the rapture may not happen today and it may not happen in your lifetime. I don't know. But you got to be able to look through the eyes of faith and say, I know. I know that one day it's going to happen. And because of that, it's all going to be all right. It's all going to be okay. It may get worse and worse and worse, but there's coming a day where it will end and it will get better and better and better because Jesus is going to come back one day and I can see it. I can see it with my eyes today through the eyes of faith that that's going to take place. Hey, the circles that you're walking in over and over, they are not without purpose. God's doing something. Maybe this morning, instead of trying to escape all of the circles that God leads you in, why not just embrace them and say, God, I don't know what you're trying to teach me in these circles, but I'm, I'm wanting to learn. I'm ready to learn. Show me the lessons that I need, God. I don't want to get bitter in my circle. God, I want to get better in this circle so that I can learn to serve You and be all that You want me to be. This morning, if you're here and you say, Preacher, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Maybe you're lost and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to know the circle of life that you're on is going to come to an end one day as well. But it's not going to come to an end on a good shout. It's going to be come to an end on a bad shout. The Bible says about those that didn't know Jesus Christ, that they simply lift their eyes up in the torments of hell. The Bible says there'll be a lot of shouting. There'll be a lot of squealing. There'll be a lot of crying going on, but not in a good way. It's all going to be because of torments and pain and separation. But here's the wonderful thing. On this circle that you're walking right now without Jesus Christ, you can have a greater victory than the children of Israel did. Boy, it was great when the walls came down. But I want you to know it doesn't compare to when your sins are washed away. It doesn't compare to when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. And you can have that victory today if you'll simply trust in Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand with me as we have a verse of invitation. Heavenly Father, I thank You for this day. Lord, I thank You for the blessings of life that You have given to us, letting us be here. Lord, I know so many people, different people here today in different areas of life. Maybe you're walking, you're leading people in circles today. And Father, maybe they're growing discouraged. I pray that you would encourage them today. Help them to learn the lessons. Lord, help me to learn the lessons that you want to teach us as we walk in these circles. We know one day you're going to give us the victory, Lord. But until then, we'll follow you and we'll take the next step. And Lord, help us to trust you in the middle of all of it. If there's somebody here that's lost and undone, Father, I pray that you'd convict them and draw them and they'd get saved before it's everlasting too late. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing.